Um, we are January 8th of 2023, and it is just crazy that we are here because last year just seemed to fly by. But today is a very, very important message because we're going to talk about the mission field. Now, every time that you leave on a Sunday, when you walk out, you have a sign above the exit that says you are now entering your mission field. And so it's so important for all of us to understand that God has a mission for all of us, and it should be a mission that the place that we live every day and every week, but also that that mission should be outside of here. And so not just within our communities, not just within our schools, not just within our work, but wherever it is that God takes us, wherever it is that God leads us. So for some people, um, that could lead them to another country. Some people could lead them to another state. Some people, it could just lead them uh, within uh, maybe just even to another city. But within the biblical realm of it, it, the focus is that it goes to all corners of the world. But it also has to be a focus for each one of us as to all corners of our world as well. So James 1.22 says it like this. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So it's not enough just to hear the word of God. It's not enough just to, to take it in and then walk out. And then we walk across that threshold and say, oh, you know what? God spoke to me today. I'm, I'm glad I was listening. It was a message that I needed to hear. And then we go out and just kind of go do things our own way. God is with us wherever we go. It's up to us, though, to recognize him within each and every one of the moments. So I want you to listen to this again. I want you to close your eyes right where you sit. I just want you to listen to this. Do not, this is James speaking to all of us. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Heavenly Father, as we come to you, God, on this day, Lord, every single day is part of our mission. Every day that you bless us with is part of our mission. It could be to our spouse. It could be our kids, grandkids. It could be to their friends. Lord, it could be in our schools, workplace. Lord, it could be to all corners of the world, to a country that maybe we've never even heard of, to a place that we never saw ourselves going. But God, at the end of the day, it's us trusting in you and giving you the credit as we walk with you. We love you. It's in rain that we pray. Amen. All right, Dante, come on up here. You get to grab a seat. Everyone, this is uh, Dante Sabatucci. And Dante, you're going to give me a big hug? Can I have one? Yeah. All right, man. All right. You want to sit on that side or this side? Uh, all right. You good? Now, it's very important um, when, we, when we have people that come to the pulpit that we know where they're at as far as their walk. So, Dante, the first question I'm going to ask you here real quick is, if you were to root for any football team, who would that be? Steelers. It's so important to make sure that they're right with God before they get up here. So, all right. So that was very important. Uh, so Dante, if, if for those of you that may not remember, Dante shared a message with us uh, a while ago, and he shared with it as he went out to the mission field in the Dominican Republic. He made a trip there again this past December. So he got to see uh, kind of the fruits of his labor. And if, for, just to kind of fill you in, uh, a while ago, I had met with Dante and his, they go down and they, they work on the baseball fields in the Dominican Republic. And our focus, we thought to help people in foreign countries, it would just be like the churches here. And we would go and help the church and the churches would then help people within the, the villages and that. What we have found is that every culture is a little bit different. And especially in the Dominican Republic, the focus to help the churches is not to go to the churches to help the villages. It's actually to go to the baseball fields 
to help the other way. Now, I should have known this. I'm a little bit thick-headed, but when we did a mission trip in, I believe it was 2008, to the Bahamas, we went down there, and what we learned very quickly is that the focus is not within the churches. The churches need to be the ones to get out to their mission fields, to the different areas, whatever it might be, and in the Bahamas, it was the basketball courts, and so a lot of our mission work were was during nighttime um, when the, the lights came on and then everyone would kind of congregate there because it was cooler during the, it was hotter during the day and we would clean it up. And then at night it was cooler so we could go out and do ministry. And so that was where we were able to reach the most people. We did plays, we did um, messages, we did balloon animals, we shared food, we did all those other kind of things. And that's what helped the pastors then who also would come out then to help their churches. So in the Dominican, the focus in their area, in their country, isn't the basketball fields it's, or the basketball courts. It's actually the baseball fields. So that's where this guy, that's where his background is. He, he's played baseball forever. Uh, they're making a joke with the guy the other day. How many innings did you pitch one day? Did you say? 20. 20, 20 innings in one day. So when we see these guys only going five innings, you go, hey, man, I know a guy. I know a guy that can go four times that. So anyway, so what we're going to do is we're going to show some pictures up on the screen. And as we share these pictures... Um, Dante is going to talk to each one of them a little bit. So this, this is the first one that I want to show you. And Don, Dante, could you introduce us to who, who these people are that are on, uh, that are in this picture in the middle with you? Yeah, to the left is Pedro with the USA baseball shirt on. All the way to the right is Mejia. And uh, the fellow standing next to me, I can't remember his first name, but I'll tell you a little bit about him in a second. But the cool thing about this community is Mejia was one of the first people that I met on my very first trip to the Dominican Republic. This uh, community that we're in right now is um, where I actually stay when I go down there with Charo. It's called La Calita. And the very first time in 2011 when I went down there, we actually built a backstop for this coach right here. And I didn't know what the future held, but I remember driving up there in Pedro's car. So this was back in 2011, and he still has the same car, by the way. And I got out and I just had this strange feeling come over me like I'm home. I don't know why I felt that way. I was in a foreign country, and, but it was because I was at the baseball field and just, it was just a weird feeling. And I didn't know that, you know, 12, 13 years later, I'd be standing there with Mejia and on that same field and, and the backstop is still there. I just want to point something out. Charo is not that lady that used to like run out and like kiss people and all that kind of, or whatever. You remember that lady named Charo? That's not the same Charo. This is actually a younger version. She doesn't do that either, but I mean, she's actually helped them as far as that goes. So you helped them build this backstop. This is that coach. And like within the 11 years, completely changed. What, what have you seen from that time to, to now? Well, here's the beautiful thing is Mejia on the right. I've met with him every year that I go down there and I've never was sure about his walk with the Lord. And, but this time that I went down, I could see a definite change and he confirmed it sort of verbally. Like he is now, he's not only walking with the Lord, but he's also sort of ministering to the kids on the field. And that, that was the whole goal with, it's called meeting God in baseball. And because we weren't able to go to the churches and work with the pastors, we had to work with the coaches. So, you know, it wasn't like we could just go there and say, okay, here's the message. Now go take this to your kids. It was a, it's been a 11, 12 year long discipleship process with Mejia, and I could definitely see, you know, you can just see it in someone's eyes when they, when they finally catch, catch it, you know, or get it. So it was, it's a beautiful thing, and I'm glad you had this picture first, because it's almost like a, kind of a full circle type of a thing. Well, and from a biblical standpoint, 
The Bible says to go and make disciples in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that, that God's, Jesus is going to be with us at the very end of the age, and he gives us all the power and all authority. The issue with it is that whenever you read it from a biblical standpoint, everyone thinks that, oh, you know, this person got saved, and so, you know, they're good to go. But there's a discipleship process that actually takes place. And if you look at it from a biblical standpoint, Jesus discipled his disciples for three years before he ever sent them out. And so it does take time. And so by going back, you know, yearly over that time, he's been able to see this change. And even from, how do you say his name again? Mahia. Mahia's, Mahia's standpoint, yeah, he, was, he had a desire to want to do more, but all of a sudden something clicked at some point in time because people invested in him, you know, so that he would be able to do that within his world. So let's go to the next picture. And then this is one that was, was sent out. Can you explain a little bit here as to what's going on? Yeah, we're in a church. So... <clears throat> excuse me. One of the things that <clears throat> excuse me. One of the things that's happened over the years is because some of the players that we've been ministering to for all these years now they're of age. You know, they're 25 years old or so, and so we are getting into the churches more. And so this fellow on the left with the white shirt, he grew up in one of the bates that we had been going to and doing our our clinics and our ministry. And um, the pastor, who is not pictured here. Uh, was his coach actually when he when he was growing up, and so now he's a he's a pastor of this small church nearby, and so this is some of the parishioners in the church. Like you can't see it, but but five feet behind us is the road. There's a road. It's in the middle of a city. We could barely talk because there's just cars and the motorcycles driving by, you know, pretty much the whole time we were there. But we were in this church, and you can see they have the emoji Bibles. They're using them. They brought that was theirs. They brought it with them. And they're just, they're just really excited about uh, being able to, you know, study God's word. Really what it boils down to. And that's what I found everywhere that I went. They're just excited about being able to study God's word. And so one of the things that Dante had sent me while he was there is that the, the, the use of the gospel of John, the emojis in the gospel of John, because we have the studies in both English and in Spanish. Now they're able to study together. You just need an interpreter to do that. But he sent me this message and he was like, he was so excited because he said, John, they're making the connection. And the reason that, that he could see the connection is that one of the first notes said that, you know, the Bible says in the beginning, that's how it starts. That's also how the gospel of John starts. And so they were starting to see this connection. So that was uh, a big point for him that because they were going down there and helping kids with baseball, but now they're seeing how God is moving because of this time. And so here's a young player who over time, once again, was able to be, chose to be discipled, and now he's reaching out to others in their walk on the Lord. So let's go to the next picture. Okay, uh, I may have to ask you a couple questions about this. I'll let you go ahead and share, if you could, with this, with this picture. Yeah, this one is another city that we were in, and uh, the fellow all the way to the left with the sport coat and the hoodie on is, uh, is the pastor. And these kids, they, actually, they were actually able to pull them out of school. The school was right across the street. And they were able to get out of school for an hour to come and listen to us talk. And um, they, the funny thing about this pastor is he wouldn't let the kids take the, the books home. Like he had them in a box and they were all neat and he had, everybody had their name written on it. And so he, he like passed it out when I got there. And I was telling the kids, I said, hey, ask your pastor if you can take these books home. And they were, they were kind of like, there was a little buzz going on with that. But they were definitely uh, excited about reading it. And the one thing about this community, I don't know if he's pictured here, but there's another fellow, again, he's like in his mid-20s, who
who is like the assistant pastor here, but he said he grew up in these streets and he talked about the drugs and the demonic forces. Like he, they talk about spiritual warfare down there. Like you and I talk about sports, you know, it's real and they're very aware of it. And, um, he just talked about how, um, you know, how he was delivered from that and how his, the Holy spirit changed his life and what he's doing with these kids, you know, on a, on a day-to-day basis. I mean, this church for them is every day. It's like literally this building is right in the middle of the community. So they're, they're coming and going every day, all day. It's a great little respite area for these kids as they're sort of living in the streets. Their parents are, most of them are single parents, um, you know, and it's not like they have steady jobs or anything. It's just, they get by the, be- the best they can. And, um, they're dealing with a lot of stuff on the streets. It's, it is a, a rough life, but this is a nice respite for them. And they do, they use these books and that, that's what they, you know, the, the pastor can use this to teach and train. And, um, because one of the things about the Dominican Republic and the, and the tradition is a lot of these pastors were preaching from memory <laughs> and the memory came from more like traditions that were passed down to them. So we can actually see that, you know, it's talked about in the Bible quite a bit. So the fact that we're actually able to provide them with Bibles, and then we, I always challenge the kids and anybody that I'm talking to, I say, if, you, if your pastor tells you something that you can't find in the Bible, I said, you're allowed to ask him about that. And, I, and so um, it's just good to, that there's truth in their hands. So outside of this too, the, the Gospel of John we have in Spanish, we, we also now have the missionary journeys of Paul in Spanish. So Pedro and these pastors, they've built for the last year plus. And Dante, by the way, is actually the person that started that because he was the first missionary to take the Gospel of John down to them. And they had never had anything like this. And so Pedro was so excited because his whole thing was, I'm going to go from village to village and have these baseball camps, but then afterward, he's going to share the gospel with them. So he's sending me pictures, and he's like, John, this is at work, and, and the place that they were studying, like, we can't even understand it. You're going to get to see their fields here in just a little bit. But now, for those ones that have studied, they've started almost 2,000 studies in the villages, Pedro and his wife. And Pedro is now ordained, and so he's able to reach out to these other pastors. And now they're going to be able to take it to the next step, which is the missionary journeys of Paul. And so we have the uh, emojis on the Roman road, which we will have this next week. The next thing we're doing is put th- putting that into Spanish, getting the Bible study books all together because we didn't realize the impact of those. But thankfully, we had Jorge in Ecuador that told us how important that is. And they'll be able to continue this discipleship process now to continue to study. So as they're learning, they're, they, get to introdu- they get to be introduced to Jesus through the Gospel of John. They're going to be introduced to Paul, the greatest missionary, with Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians. And then they're going to go on the Roman road so they can understand and be able to share salvation. Now, some of you are sitting there going, well, that seems kind of backwards. Shouldn't they be getting saved? And they can get saved at any time along the way. That's between them and God. But just like with the disciples, Jesus was right there. And they still didn't get it at times. So they're growing those relationships and they're building their knowledge. And at the same time, they're getting to know God and to consider him more and more. But at any time, they can take that step. By the time they get to step three, they'll not only understand that step, but they'll be able to share it with others. So it's a great process of taking place. And it's all literally started with that guy in the USA shirt because this guy chose to take them down to him. And then other groups have, have continued to do so. And as he said, within their culture, we don't understand all that demonic possession and all those other kind of things. Now, it, is it out there? Yeah. The bottom line is kids are going to follow something. They're going to follow someone. This is our opportunity to get the truth in their hands 
so they can follow God and his loving son. And so this gives them that opportunity once again from an eternal standpoint to choose who it is that they will follow. And make no mistake about it. We all make that choice, and it is a personal one. So let's go ahead and go to the, to the next I step. Say one go ahead. Thing oh, about go back. This, go back. Uh, last pastor. And this is where the ministry has progressed over the past 12 years since I, I keep, I say 12, 13, 11, I don't know how many years. It's 2011 is the first year I went down there. And um, the problem that we had is getting the pastors to actually go to the baseball fields to reach out, to do outreach. Because of tradition and because of legalism, they felt like that, that it was above them or below them or whatever it is. And so now 10 years later or 12 years later, this, this is the first time I ever met this particular pastor, but he was telling me that that's what he does on a regular basis. He's out there in the fields, and so the kids can see that presence there, and he's reaching out, and he's bringing them back to the church. I mean, that was the entire goal of the ministry is to, obviously, the, the, the goal is to build up God's church, the body of Christ. And so we had to do it through baseball, but now, again, as 10 years has gone by or so, it's, it's uh, the fact that we're, we've built relationships now with these pastors, and they've grown in their faith and their walk to the point where they are comfortable going to the baseball field. And uh, let me explain something too. There's an entire another gr uh, other group that is heading down that is meeting God in baseball, but this is meeting God in missions. And their fields down in the Dominican are not the baseball fields. It's the sugarcane fields. And so they're, they're actually sending groups into the sugarcane fields. So as they do their work, they're going to bring them out and they're going to share the gospel of John with them so that they have a chance to study with them through the whole week. So you don't know and I don't know where our mission field is. Baseball field, sugarcane field, just a regular field. It could be anywhere. And so as we're going through and talking about this and thinking about this, what does that look like in your life? What does it look like where you work? What does it look like where you go to school? What does it look like just in your everyday conversations? Where is it that you can share God with other people? Because that becomes your baseball field, your sugarcane field, your mission field. So go ahead and go to the next picture because this is kind of what blows my mind. Is that the backstop you guys built? No, that's not the one, but uh, it looks a lot like it. <laughs> okay, so this, this is a baseball field in the Dominican. It, if you showed up with your kid or someone to a field like that, would you want your kid playing on that field? See, in the United States, the baseball fields now, especially when you look at the major league standpoint, minor league standpoint, they're like cathedrals. Like everyone takes care of them because they have the means to do so. This is all they have, and they make do with what they have. But this is such a blessing just to have this backstop. But you can't even tell. That's actually the mound, I believe, that, that, that he's kind of on the right side. Could you go to the next um, picture real quick? That's the dugout on the left. See that dugout? And I believe he is standing on the third baseline because I'm, I'm assuming that's third base over in here. And there's a gentleman that's talking. But look at the fields that are all the way around them. This is not what we're used to. See, many times getting away is the, the very thing that can make you stop long enough to go, wow, we are really, really blessed. How is it that we can share those blessings? So can you just share a little bit about these? Like when you get out there, what's going on as far as uh, from a playing baseball standpoint to when you guys go and study? Yeah, when we do our clinics, we show up and there's usually not that many kids at the field, but somehow the word gets out into the community. And then when we start our clinics, Usually like a half an hour later, you know, we'll have anywhere from 50 kids to 200 kids there. And we'll do like a two-hour clinic. And then at the end, we'll share the gospel message. And we've been doing that since before I even started in the ministry back in the mid-2000s. And so that's kind of where my heart was to take, the, take it from there. You know, we share the gospel with them, but then what? You know, they just go home. 
And so that's where, but literally before John called me a couple years ago, I was thinking to myself and I, the Holy Spirit was kind of convicting me that we need to be able to leave behind, you know, something so that they're not, they don't just hear the message and then go and forget about it. And so then John calls me a couple weeks later, go, you're not going to believe this. I was literally just sort of praying about this and thinking about it. And, um, you know, it's just, it's worked out way better than I could even have imagined because it's, it's actually working the way it's supposed to work. Rick, can you go to the next picture? So this is after Dante left and Pedro shared with me, sent me this picture and, and another gentleman named John, who was supposed to originally go on the trip with Dante was not able to go that week. So he went this, uh, another week and he is down there now with meeting God in baseball and they went to two new villages and through this time at the different villages, and you can see they're all ages as far as the kids go, because when you say you're going to play baseball from a major league professional, whatever it might be standpoint in the Dominican, they start you at about eight and they look at you till you're about 14. If you get to 16 and you're not where they need to be, you kind of get pushed to the wayside, but everyone's going to show up because they all want that opportunity to prove and show who they are. And so whenever they have these camps, they're going to take every opportunity to be there. So when they went to these new villages and they met with them. Next thing you know, all the kids started showing up and they started sharing the gospel. And through this, through these two uh, camps that they had, they started two studies of 30 players each. And through the gospel message, seven people accepted Christ. Didn't happen in the church. It happened on the baseball fields because of coaches and missionaries who are willing to go into the villages and into their communities and to a place that they're very talented in and they're gifted in and they use the very gifts that God has given them and they've given back because those kids, they want to play baseball. But at the same time, the Bible tells us that God puts eternity in our hearts. He puts it there for a reason and we all want to know God. It's just, it's loud and it's so busy and it's so crazy that we don't always, we can't always hear him. But when we stop long enough and listen for that still small voice, we find it. Because God is not going to hide from us. But he's also not going to force himself on us. It's up to us to start that relationship and to build that relationship. And then when we take that step of faith to continue to grow that relationship. In fact, what it is is this. It's up to us to not nearly listen, to not merely, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive ourselves, but to do what it says. I'm going to introduce you to someone here uh, Real quick, Colin, where are you? You got to get in the back? All right, could you run back and grab Colin and then Rick, go ahead and grab uh, kiddos as well and bring them all in here. And I'll explain to you real quick what's going on. So Colin is coming in and um, I kind of want to hold off on his story until he gets in here, but we'll share it here in just a little bit. Um, I do want everyone to understand that what's going to take place next is we're going to be baptizing Colin. And then after we baptize Colin, as I'm sorry, before we baptize Colin, Dante is going to share just a little bit because he has some stories, at least one that he wants to share, depending on time frame, that he wants to share with you from the trip. He was like, there's so many different ones that I could share. And I'm like, you just pick whichever one it is that you want, whatever God's putting on your heart. And so what's, what's going to happen is that Colin is going to head upstairs with Zach and Rick. And while they're doing that, Dante is going to share. Then we're going to baptize Colin. And then we have an announcement that we need to make for the whole church, okay? But we wanted to have all the kids in here. So, Colin, can you come on over here? Zach, Rick, can you come on up here?
he is ready to be baptized, right? Colin, come over here. Where, where are you going, man? You're just like, so, I know, you are, you are your mom's son, right? There we go, okay. Okay, so let me explain this. So Zach was in my youth group many, many years ago. And since then, I uh, did his wedding. And um, he and Beth have had three boys. They're awesome. Um, Rick and I were at the Akron Baptist Temple together, even though we didn't see much of each other because the place was so big and we were always serving in different children's ministries. But um, through time, this is the middle guy. This is Colin. The oldest is Liam. Second is Colin. And the third is Luke. And uh, just so you know, when I came in today, talking with all of them, um, Luke's got some work to do, according to Colin and Liam. But I told them that they have to watch out for him. So anytime he does something bad, you got to blame them, right? Or just blame Beth. So, right? No, we take credit. A few weeks ago, Colin came in, and we sat down in my office. And just so you know, we had this conversation a while ago. And even though he, he knew who Jesus was, he wasn't ready to take that step as far as asking him into his life as a personal savior. But a few weeks ago, he was definitely ready. And so he came in, and we sat down, and we talked. And, um, and I asked him a question. You know, if you were you know, to die today and to come before God, what would you tell him as far as getting to heaven? And we had a whole conversation around it. And by the time we were done and had this conversation, he was like, I would tell God that I accepted Jesus as my personal savior. And so we prayed together, asked God into his heart. And I said, okay, Colin, what's next? And he wanted to get baptized. And so we make sure that the person has taken the step of faith first. Um, he, he has taken that step of faith. And so today he's going to take that step publicly. Now, the reason I share that is because we grow over time. And so I remember way, way back in the day when, you know, this guy was in, you know, high school football and, and we would have, you know, chats here and there and have discussions. And there was always kind of that bond. And the, the thing that kept us bond together was the faith that we had. I never thought during that time that, oh my goodness, one day I'm going to be baptizing his kids. But guess what? get to baptize his kids. But the way I see baptism is this, it's so important to have the family be a part of that. So I'm just going to say the words, but it gets to be dad and grandpa who baptize their son. So Beth, Mary Ann, uh, uh, Mary Kay, excuse me. Um, I'm just, I'm making names up. Mary Kay, Rachel, Jason, whoever it is needs to come up, you get to come up and take pictures. We're going to get him up and get dressed first. And then we're going to do his baptism. Dante is going to share. It kind of gives us that timing as far as it goes. And then everyone has to stay after it so that we can give um, the announcement. Everyone got it? So you can't leave until I tell you you get to leave. All right. Colin, you ready to go? Yep. Okay. Before you go, I just have to, have you come to the place where you have asked Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal savior? Yes. You ready to go? Go. Get, get, take him. I, I can't contain you any longer. So, all right. All right. Um, Jacob, if you could hold up one second, he's going to show this. And then when they get ready, I'll just come down and um, then you can raise the screen. Is that okay? All right. You get to share. All right. If you could put up that one photo that I had sent. Yeah, there we go. So trying to make order out of chaos down there in Dominican Republic is difficult. So what I thought I would do is share. This is the board, the MGB board in the Dominican Republic. And over the years, it, there didn't used to be this formal uh, organization, but over the last few years, we've developed that and encouraged them to do that because they got to take ownership of their own ministry, which they're doing. We're still supporting them financially, but they're taking a lot of steps. So anyhow, I want to introduce you to some of the people that are on the board. Pedro 
is one of the founders of MGB in the Dominican Republic, but he is not on the board at this time. He's kind of a, a free spirit. He's a, an evangelist at heart, and he just likes to run around and, and tell people about the Lord, and he's just a very personable guy. So he's not on the board at this point, but these are, these are six out of the seven. I've talked about Jorge before. You may or may not remember. Jorge is a Cuban who used to play for the Cuban national team. He's very good. He's considered like the Babe Ruth of Cuba or one of the Babe Ruths of Cuba, if you will. So he's not pictured here, but the other six are. So Sharo, who I mentioned, she's on the top right there. And she's one of the first people that I met when I went to the Dominican Republic uh, 11 years ago or in 2011, let's say. And uh, she lives nearby. And like I said, I didn't really have, any, have it planned out this way, but it just kind of is just the way that it played out. She's built now a house, or she's built like an addition onto her house that we call the mission house, where people will come and stay there. But she's been very integral. She's very trustworthy. She handles the finances of the ministry, and she's just kind of the rock and the, um, the heartbeat of the ministry in the Dominican Republic. Arturo is the president. He grew up in M MGM, basically. And I won't get into too much detail because I, I want to talk about this. Carolina on the top left there, she's a translator. Alberto is actually from, I think it's Venezuela. And he's someone, he's on the board as a volunteer. So he doesn't get any kind of pay or salary. And even the ones that do get a salary, it's not very much. You, you would scoff at the amount of money that they get, but it, it's enough to sort of pay their, buy them some food and pay some basic expenses. Uh, then you got Dallas, he's a pastor. And then Vladimir is one of the ones I wanted to talk about. He grew up in a batay called Margarita, and he actually reached out to me a few years ago and said, hey, I want to be part of the Meeting God in Baseball ministry. He was kind of the coach at the field down there. His dad is a pastor, but he just said, I want to be part of the Meeting God in Baseball ministry, and so I went down, I met with him. You know, you have to kind of wonder, is, do people reach out to us because they want stuff? They want equipment that they can give to their players, or maybe they want money or whatever, and I could sense that his heart is pure. And so he worked for a number of years as a volunteer with, with no pay. We'd try to provide him with some equipment if we could. But he was just constantly not only teaching and discipling in his community, but in nearby communities. He was doing teaching and attracting other people into the ministry. And so at the beginning of last year, we brought him on, on staff. So he's receiving pay now from Meeting God in Baseball. And through him, one of the pictures that I showed earlier that we were in the church and the pastor there, that was the community that he grew up in. He grew up with, uh, with Vladimir and Vladimir, he was actually Vladimir's coach. So he went from being a coach and now he's a pastor. And also Vladimir has been discipling kids in his community and young people. And there was one in particular who we went to a village, we didn't have a photo of it up here. But we went into this village, it was called Village 50, and it's one of the m most destitute villages that you would ever see. It's like if, you would, if they're going to do a commercial on TV to try to get you to give money, you know, that was the, that's the, the village that they would use. Well, anyhow, one of his disciples just felt a calling. This kid is 20 years old. He felt a calling from the Lord to basically move to this village and become the pastor of a church that was built by MGM. And so we had the privilege of going into this community and the, the, the church is about maybe a third the size of this room. 
It's got a dirt floor. It's, it's pretty nice. It's got a nice roof. It was built by MGM, but it's, you know, the budget isn't that great. So it had a dirt floor, but it was just, a, it, it was almost like a, a little oasis in there. And there was probably 15 or, or 20 kids from ages eight to, you know, young, young adults. And they all had their emoji Bibles. And the beautiful thing is I was able to talk to them and have them ask me questions. And this is where what John is saying about the Bible is like now they're asking, they're asking intelligent questions. Like when it says that the light has come into the world, what does that mean? And that question was asked by like maybe a, an 11 or a 12-year-old girl. And so I was able to talk a little bit about that. And, and they were able to make observations like they, were, they realized who John the Baptist was. And they made the connection with the book of Isaiah that, who pr prophesied that John the Baptist would be the one who prepared the way for, for Jesus. And they were able to make the connection that you know, the book of John starts off in the beginning, just like the book of Genesis. So we were able to tie in Genesis, some of the other books of the Old Testament, and obviously the New Testament. And then we were actually able to talk about the book of Revelation a little bit too. So the, the, the book of John, even though it's, it's only one book of the Bible, we were able to make connections throughout the entire Bible through this, uh, through, through this opportunity. And I, it was just so heart-touching and warming to see the ministry. And it's not, I'm not taking... It's, it, the beautiful thing is it wasn't me, you know, I'm like a part of it, but God is moving so much down there in the Dominican Republic. After a long time, there wasn't much happening. And we realized that we need to start the discipleship process. And now we can see it moving to the point where we're, we're trying to just hang on like a, like a bull rider, you know? So um, that's, that's just one of probably 10 or 15 stories that I could tell just from this past trip of what God is doing and what, how things are moving down there in the Dominican Republic. So I assume you're ready now. We are. Jacob, if you could put up that, put up the screen. And, and something I want to point out here real quick. So right before every one of you, everyone in this, everyone in this church right now could pick up 200 Bibles. You know, if I sent one person around, one person could go around and pick up 200 Bibles because they're in the pews. They're sitting all over the place. They're, I mean, they're everywhere around us. It's not like that in the Dominican Republic. It's not like that in a lot of different areas. They just don't have the means. They don't have a Walmart they can run down the road. They don't have Amazon dropping stuff off every you know, few hours. They don't have FedEx. They do have FedEx, but it costs so much to get them there that a person would have to have a car to drive to a FedEx building to be able to do that. So the things that we kind of take for granted, like you know, they don't have a post office. They're, they're just things that we, we're so used to having, we just almost expect. They don't have them there. So to just be able to pick up a Bible, they're not able to do that. So by getting them the Gospel of John and then being able to share that, oh, in the book of Genesis and in Isaiah, well, well, where's that at? They get to grow with that. And so that's part of that discipleship process that takes place. It keeps them focused within the gospel of John and who Jesus is, but it lets them know that there's more out there so that they can grow with that. And so that's why the support of it, to be able to, to get this down to them and then for them to be able to continue to grow is so huge. And we're just so thankful for that. We're thankful for guys like you to go up in Michigan and do that. So thank you. Thank All right. Dante, if you'll have a seat. All right, everyone. You guys all know that this is Colin, this is Zach, and this is Rick. How, how, how is it in there? Okay, so for those of you who don't know, many, many years ago, the last baptisms I did at the Akron Baptist Temple was in a February, and their baptismal was all stainless steel, and the water was in there. Well, the heaters had broken. And so we went in there, 
and you almost felt like you were going to skate in there, but like, oh, we're good enough, we can go ahead and go in there. So we went in, and we did the baptisms, myself and uh, Mike Krabinski, and the first kids that came out, they literally spit the water out. It was so cold. And so the last guy was a guy that was six foot six, about 240-ish pounds. And when I took him down to, to baptize him, Mike, who should have been helping me, chose not to help me, so I had to bring him up. You could hear was Jesus coming all the way up, and then he spit all the water out. So that was the coldest ever. This, however, you've been, you guys have been here. I've walked in. It's like the, the River Jordan. This is now so hot that we're actually baptizing Colin. This is the first time ever in a hot tub. So it's going to take either way. This is Colin's public step of faith. The step that we take to, to God, asking his son Jesus into our heart, is a private step. And so we didn't give an invitation today, yet we will always give an invitation. If that's a step that you've never taken and it's a step that you want to take today, please come and let me know. We stop long enough to admit that God loves us. He loves us so much that he gave his one and only son. And we believe that he sent Jesus to die for each one of us. But then also he rose from the dead to show us that we could have eternal life. And then we just choose then to walk with him. We take that step of faith personally by asking him into our life. And then when we're ready, we take this step publicly to say, hey, you know what? Me and God, we're together and I'm on his side and he's on mine. That means everyone that is here today gets to be a part of Colin's growth. We're all part of that as far as that church family grows and to help as far as discipling him moving forward. If you could go ahead and line up, Colin. Because of your profession. Oh, hold on. He is so ready to go. Remember, you're going to squeeze his nose too. So you have to wait till dad squeezes your nose. Otherwise, you're going to be having hot water flying all over the place coming out your nose. All right. Colin, because of your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in obedience to his command, we now baptize you, our brother, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Zach's ready too. Buried in the likeness of Jesus' death, raised in the likeness of Christ's resurrection. All right. You guys, we have to chat when we're done here. So after I make this announcement, if you guys would head up, get changed back, and let's have a chat. Jacob, if you could turn that off. All right. We have all the kids in here. Everyone's here. All right. Good morning. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2023. I have a few announcements for you this morning, but before we dive into that, I just want to take a few minutes to say thank you to the Christmas de-decorating team. You'll notice everything is gone. We're back to normal. And I know the Collettes and the Stanleys were involved in that. We thank you for that. Anybody who helped with that, thank you. It makes a, a huge difference here at the church when we get volunteers to help out. The Hope Outreach is in need of warm gear for winter. Coats, gloves, boots, anything you can donate, blankets, you can put them in the bin out in the hallway by the church office. That would be greatly appreciated, and we will make sure we get those to the folks that need them. And the pew in front of you, there's a communication card. You can fill that out to communicate with the church, or if you're a visitor, just sign your name up on there. We promise we won't harass you. We just like to know who we're visiting with and reach out to help you if there's anything the church can do for you. Wednesday nights, the combined co-ed Bible study is 6.30 to 8. Anybody can attend that that is interested. And on Thursdays, we have our men's and women's study. The women meet in the back. The men meet over here behind me. And those are 6.30 to 8 as well. 
We also have found some items laying around the church that have been placed in the lost and found. So if you are missing a pair of glasses, gloves, one mitten, a boot, whatever it is, check with Patty in the church office. She may have that item for you. Thank you.